Good morning. This is Coworking with Iris, where we talk about coworking and community. This is episode 21, and today I'm talking with Angel Kwiatkowski of Cohere and Cohere Bandwidth in Fort Collins, Colorado. And I first met Angel, I want to say, in probably 2010 or 2011, maybe, in Santa Monica, um, where we gather with a bunch of co-working owners, actually about 30 of us, for a weekend to just talk about what was happening in the world. And I've just loved following um, Angel's, what I would refer to as no-nonsense style of building a community, building a business, and uh, building co-working in the world. Um, I'm really excited to talk with her today about the two projects that she's working on. Uh, of course, one of them is her original co-working space, Cohere, and then the other is a uh, rehearsal space for musicians, which um, I know a little bit of her history with, and it was kind of a challenge to open, and it's such an, a, a huge need. It fills such a huge need, and um, I love it because it's also applying co-working to a model that is um, you wouldn't necessarily traditionally think of as a co-working space. So uh, I think we'll learn a lot today about DIY in your co-working space, as well as learning how to apply uh, co-working principles to different business models. Good morning, Angel. Hello, thanks for having me. I kind of forgot we met in Santa Monica and I was pregnant. Yes, you and were. so emotional with hormones that no matter what we were discussing as a group, I would start weeping. Let's talk about furniture. This is so upsetting. Yes. That was awesome. Yeah, I think I, I was. Yeah, I hope to not break into tears today. <laughs> okay, talk. good. <laughs> awesome. I think I was pregnant about two weeks after that, actually. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> I forget that our littles are close in age. They are close. Well, um, Angel, this morning, can you tell us what your co-working story is? Yes. So um, I'll try to give you the more abridged version. But basically, I thought I found my dream job in HR at a very desirable startup here in town. And uh, 89 days into that job, I was um, sort of violently ejected from that company um, for lack of fit. And the CEO told me that I was an entrepreneur and I should get out of his business and start my own. And so that was the first time I had really heard that message delivered in such a blunt way. And um, over the course of that summer, I read all of the Harry Potter books from start to finish on my patio while I cried and really started to think maybe that's why I never fit at any of my previous jobs. It's just people put up with me because I'm super efficient and I'm a smart lady and I get the work done. Um, but I never really felt satisfied. And so, so a friend of mine mentioned the concept of co-working to me way back at the end of 2009. And I thought, oh, this is a a business you can have where you just get to hang around cool people all day long. I could do that business. This sounds amazing. <laughs> and so looking back, there were so few co-working spaces. I read and watched everything that Alex Hillman had put on the internet about co-working and found the Google group. And I was just sort of absorbing what little there was about co-working. And I just kept getting more and more excited. And so 
I look back and think I had no idea what co-working was. I'd never visited a space. In fact, I didn't visit a single space because there weren't any in my area before I opened Cohere. So I really had no idea what I was doing. And um, I started this meetup group that was called, it had like a really funny name. Like, I think, I think we want to co-work or something like that. It was just really honest. And at our first um, meeting, I was just like, there's this thing where people who, work by themselves we decide to work together and i don't know what that means but are you interested and i remember we we kind of talked about it and there were maybe a group of eight people there and uh julie who had become a dear friend of mine um and a founding member of cohere she was really busy and she was kind of moonwalking out of the room because she had to leave and she goes i don't know what this is but i'm excited i'm in count me in and then she went to her next meeting and ended up being a a founding member and she's still a member of Cohere all these years later. And so we started this weekly meetup in a donated reception area um, once a week. And the first time um, another founding member, Suzanne, showed up and we had no idea what we were doing. She had her laptop and I had a little tote of coffee and we kind of met at the front door and we sat down and we opened our laptops and we kind of looked at each other and we're like, what do we do now? And we're like, I don't know. So we just talked for two hours and then more people started coming to that kind of coming out of the woodwork. And um, in just five weeks, we ran out of space and broke the internet. So we moved into a real space that was just ours. And we were there for two years. And then we moved to where we are now, which is a bigger space. And we've been here for four years. Wow. What a journey. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell us your current space size and how many members you have. Yes. Uh, we have 50 members and we are in 2,600 square feet, give or take a handful. And are you all open or do you have private offices as well? We are actually majority private office and uh, shared resources. So like conference rooms and kitchen, bathroom, stuff like that. And we only do co-working on about looking out there to see how big it is. Um, <laughs> our co-working, it has 12 workstations and maybe, I don't know, 300 square feet or something. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the co-working space is the smallest part of the building. And I did that intentionally because I wanted the private offices to cover the base rent mm -hmm. um, and then have the co-working just be all the extra fun stuff. So yeah. the offices give me a lot of financial stability that I enjoy because when we opened, we didn't have offices. We just had uh, open workspace in a conference room. Um, and there was just a lot of flux in membership and revenue and that was stressful for me yeah yeah it's i i definitely am an advocate of having a few at least a few private offices even for small spaces because i think that is where you find your base revenue um and you know your offices tend to have less turnover mm -hmm. um and so you've been in that space for four years with that many private offices how much turnover do you have in those offices so hardly far? any up until a couple of weeks ago and now I have uh, two that will be available at the same time which has never happened before um, I just met with my friend who's a commercial realtor and he says the office market in Fort Collins is softening a little bit right now as he has a lot of spaces office spaces open too that have been vacant for several weeks which is odd for us um, so I'm toying around with lowering the prices and 
seeing if that works. Um, but yeah, that's never happened before where something has been vacant for more than three weeks. Wow. That's um, amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so I know that you manage or, you know, that you have run your space majority by yourself over the past six years. Um, tell us a little bit about how you've done so. Do you currently, do you DIY everything? Have you DIYed everything? Do you outsource anything? Do you involve members? Um, so how, how have you staffed your model to keep it going without completely burning yourself out? Yeah. So the first um, almost two years, it was primarily just me. Our, our, our space was so small. I mean, it was a thousand square feet. It, mm -hmm. I mean, you could see every corner of it from wherever you stood. So it felt really manageable for me. I did work in the space full time from, you know, nine to four, nine to five every day. Um, so I had a really, I had a lot of time to do things and talk to members and clean the toilet and, and do all the things that come along with that. Um, I did pretty quickly after I opened outsource bookkeeping because that's just not a thing that I get. I don't understand it <laughs> at all. I even took a class and I'd shout out this answer in the class and she was just like, no, that's not the right answer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, so I outsourced uh, bookkeeping, which was great. And I traded a desk for a website. So that founding member, Suzanne, I told you about, um, she did all my graphic design and website stuff in return for a resident desk for like a year or something. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's all I, I mean, I did all the cleaning. I did, you know, I took the trash out and I made coffee and planned all the events and, um, we dabbled in a program where members would work one day a week to kind of cover for me. Um, I don't remember why, but that didn't continue on. And then I had a baby and Cohere and me kind of fell apart for 18 months or so. <laughs> yeah. um, it was probably dark times for Cohere because I was at home suffering and they were all here suffering with no um, no community manager really like you guys will figure it out i'm sure and here's somebody to help do tours and um we really lost our tight-knit community in those times when i was away yeah. and then i came back and dug in um really hard again and then i started to feel that that feeling of like where you start to get frustrated and resent the space Mm -hmm. I think resenting the space is the first, um, for me, it's the first indicator that burnout is probably coming because I'm just like, oh my God, how many times do I have to take this trash out? Like, I hate trash. I hate recycling. I hate this coffee cup. Um, and so I was like, wow, I think it's time that I call in some help because I don't <laughs> want to go to work and resent the trash. Like, how yeah. dumb is that? <laughs> and so I put out a call to all the members saying I want, to add some community cultivators and here's what that looks like. And it ended up adding three community cultivators and they all have a different role. Um, one of them uh, is kind of my primary point for tours and she really likes cleaning, which is <laughs> I like, awesome. I get a deep clean of the kitchen and I'm like, I don't know why, but that's amazing. Thank you. Um, and one of them uh kind of attends to the earthly tasks of taking out the garbage and 
like the 90 pound box of toilet paper arrives and he distributes that to all the toilets and tells me if light bulbs are burnt out and runs to the store if we need something. And then um, Marta, the other cultivator, she is in charge of doing programs I've always wanted to do, but never found the passion or, or time to do it. So she just implemented um, a group birthday celebration for everyone and posting everyone's birthdays on a whiteboard. And I didn't have to do any of it. <laughs> She even brought the lighter to light the candle on the donuts yesterday. <laughs> so she kind of works on um, just those community projects that I've wanted to do for six years and have never pulled off. So that's been great. And then we also uh, have a member who does our cleaning, who I pay to do our cleaning. And that's been the most successful cleaning person we've ever had because if the, if the members start mistreating the space, you could be like, why don't you go tell Monica what you did? She's in that office over there. <laughs> and so I tell him, I'm like, you know, when, when you're not responsible, it's Monica who comes behind you. And Monica's so nice. You don't want to do that to Monica, do you? And, oh, awesome. and it's been way better than having an outside cleaning company come in because, you know, people never saw them and there wasn't a personal connection. So now having me and then the three cultivators and Monica are all members of the space. And so I think, I think it's a, kind of a brilliant way to have members be more responsible with themselves because they have to look us in the eyes and tell us why they recycled it incorrectly. Yeah, I love that. Um, so when you put together these cultivator relationships, um, did you put together some type of an agreement? And what did that agreement look like, if so? Um, we don't have a formal agreement. I did write a, like a job description. Um, mm -hmm. I was pretty clear about what the trade was and, and what the time commitment was for my cultivators. They at a maximum would spend two hours a week mm -hmm. um, and they get about a hundred dollars off their membership, give or take. Okay. Um, so you basically sort of like do kind of an hourly trade then you're, yeah. And you're it varies them 50 bucks an hour and, or, or so, and, and they're getting that 50 bucks an hour in, in compensation through membership. Yeah. And I mean, it varies. So when I was in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, Carrie took, you know, the bulk of the workload, but then now that I'm back, you know, she hasn't had to do any tours or mm -hmm. anything. So it, it kind of evened out. Awesome. And so, what have you found most surprising so far um, on your journey as a co-working owner? Such a good question. <laughs> I think, I mean, I can say it's surprising, but it's not surprising, but it, it, I just, I rediscover it every day when someone comes in and learns about co-working. It's just the, the consistency of the human condition to seek connectedness and belonging in their lives um, and every time you or I start to stray from that as the core value of what co-working brings that's when we kind of go off the rails and the the community isn't as tight-knit or I make a boneheaded decision and let a startup rent the conference room for a week and it's like they don't want to be connected they want to get money and right you know, and then it's like, ew, who are all those people in our conference room? And why don't they talk to us? And why don't they come to our events? And it's like, because I wanted money instead of connectedness. <laughs> I made a mistake. Um, so, yeah, and just every time somebody comes in and 
we're so steeped in co-working, we assume everybody knows about it and understands it. But every single day I'm presented with another human being who says to me, I've been working from home for eight months and I know I've lost my social skills and I'm sorry for what I'm about to say to you because I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> um, and just remembering that everybody wants to belong to something and everybody wants to feel connected. And if that's what you're providing in your co-working space, you never go astray. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. And I am in full agreement. Thank you. Um, so in, in 2010, you launched your space. Um, what has changed since then? And what would you do differently if you knew what you know now <laughs> about as much as you do about co-working and you are opening a space today? Um, man, that is, how much time do we have? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> I mean, I think, I don't know that I would have done it because I know my personality, but my advice would be to anybody who is starting a space is to delay the signing of the lease for as long as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. um, the lease and the space is, it's easy because you can tick a box and say, yes, we have square footage at this price. But if you spend all of that energy um, creating something that people want to belong to and that thing is not the space, you'll ultimately be more successful because you'll you'll grow as a community as you scrap together a place to work that is not in a lease, whether that's a museum or a library or the back room of a coffee shop. Um, if you can knit a community together in a less than ideal space, that's the ultimate litmus test for figuring out if you can be successful when you have your own bathroom and your own desks <laughs> um, and your own Wi-Fi connection. But those things should all come last and secondary to gathering people behind the cause and, and moving them forward towards it. That's a really, um, I think, a smart way to put it. You know, it's, it's very common. Um, in the co-working world for people to say, you know, start with the community and then build the space or, you know, start building a community after you sign the lease. Um, but saying wait to sign the lease uh, mm -hmm. is, you know, you're really putting forward there what is the most important piece for your success in co-working if what mm -hmm. you're going for is authentic or community-based co-working. Um, and, and the understanding, you have the understanding that it really is about the connections that people make and it, it is about that human connection. Um, so I really appreciate the way that you stated that and put it, and put it forward that way. That's a really good tidbit. Um, so I'm curious, I feel like your members are really self-sufficient. Um, a couple weeks ago when we were at Juicy Canada, you mentioned that you're really only working half-time now in the space, mm -hmm. which is amazing, by the way. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. So, <laughs> so besides deserting them for 18 months when you had a baby, what else yes. have you, what have you done to encourage them to be self-sufficient um, and, and manage um, both themselves but also the community and the space in a way that um, that allows you to take that time and be out of the space. Yeah, I think I'm, for better or worse, super honest with the members, um, and I'm, you know, in a in a lighthearted but also a very serious way. I'll come in and and I'll sit down and there'll be four or five people and be like, "Hey, did you guys introduce yourselves to each other?" And I'll be like, "Oh, hey, I'm 
I'm Amy. It's like, ah, you guys are killing me. Like you've been sitting there for four hours and you haven't spoken to each other yet. Um, so it's really my role. I kind of come in with a stick every so often. I poke everyone uh-huh. and remind them, you know, you, remember you got to like introduce yourself as the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it starts really at our tours. Um, we don't just, we don't just show people around the space. We actually introduce them to each person who's working and, um, I've had some times where I can tell right away if somebody's going to be a good fit for Cohere. I had a lady come in and and I was like, hey, Amy or whatever her name was, this is Laurel and this is Carson. She's like, oh, don't do that. Don't interrupt everybody. This, this, ah. And I was like, wow, if you feel like, you know, you're ruining someone's day because you have to shake their hand when you come in, like you are not, you are going to be so upset here because this is what we're going to do every day is right. every time there's a tour, I'm going to ask you to stop working and say hello to this person and and see if we can find a connection between you and them. So if you feel really self-conscious about this tour, (laughs) you're really going to hate it here. Um, So we do some stuff in the tour that helps people understand that this is a place to make friends and be social. Um, Our social events are always uh, members only. We, we don't do events um, outside of ourselves anymore. And that's primarily because we're always almost full and I don't want to turn away a bunch of people from Cohere. Um, But our events are always stupid. They're the stupidest themed um, accessible events. So yesterday was donuts in the absurd way I'm going to die. (laughs) So, um, we always have a new member bring the donuts and then I pose a question and it was, what, what way do you think you're going to die? That's super dumb. And we all just shared that. And, and that's the fastest way to get to know someone. Cause now we know that Dan is scared of being sucked down an airplane toilet. <laughs> and Dan is like six, eight. <laughs> and so the fact that the largest man we know thinks he's going to get sucked down a four inch tube in an airplane is amazing. Um, yeah, so we do these dumb events to really get to know each other. Um, and then there's some stuff that happens online so I can participate remotely, even if I'm not in the space. Um, and then now having the cultivators, they make a point to be here when I'm not here so that, um, more than half the time, there's at least a touch point. If something goes wrong, people need help. Awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I love I love the dumb events. I mean, it really is. It's about keeping it simple, right? And keeping it at that base human connection level. I think we often get caught up in the sort of, oh, we have to throw an amazing successful event. And really what it is about is just playing parlor games with your members Mm -hmm. and just making everybody feel relaxed enough that they can actually get to know each other a little bit deeper and, and stretch the bonds a little bit wider and, um, make that connection. Um, so, uh, question about yourself and myself, um, and women all over there, there really are a lot of women owners and operators, um, put together a list of all the women owned co-working spaces around the world. What a wonderful list that was. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your opinion, what makes co-working so accessible for us women entrepreneurs or, or is it even accessible to us? Um, I think it, I think it varies on what you want as a woman. I, I don't want a ton of money. Um, my, my family unit, um, is 
blessed with a, a very traditional job that um, pays for expenses and things that we need as a family. Um, and just in terms of my mental health and how I operate, it's much more important for me to be satisfied and passionate with my work um, than make 80,000 a year. Mm -hmm. uh, because Cohere has never and may never pay me a wage that is commensurate with my experience. And so I supplement um, our income with some consulting and, um, you know, with a few things that I do with bandwidth. But um, I like co-working as a woman because it allows me to do the things that I think I'm best at. And I don't feel like I have to be paid in money to feel like I'm being really successful in my career. Um, and that's what works for our family unit. I don't know that that model applies to all family units, but it works really well for us. And I feel like it makes my marriage with my husband better because when I'm not happy at work, everybody knows about it. I mean, mm -hmm. I have to talk about it with everyone and he's the, the primary receiver of that frustration and anxiety and, depression or whatever it is and so he I don't think he's ever said it out loud but I think he really appreciates that I have a job that I love and a place that I love going and and friends I can hang out with every day because then when I come home it's just like these five amazing things happened and this new opportunity is coming and um it just I feel like it makes our household happy because I'm super happy in what I'm doing and that's way more important to us than having extra money yeah that's wonderful um, I especially uh, appreciate talking about co-working as kind of playing to your strengths, and I agree with that. And I think, you know, if I was to sort of take the essence out of that um, as an answer to the question about women entrepreneurs, um, it would really be about creating connections between people and making sure people's needs are met. And not that, not that that's what a skill that all women have or a, um, a set of traits that all women have and, and also not that men don't also have those traits. But I do think that as women, um, we're more prone to be nurturers and we're more prone to, uh, you know, want to see the people that we surround ourselves with succeed and want to support them in succeeding. So I, I think mm -hmm. that those traits really translate very well in co-working. Well, in the last couple of minutes that we have, I'd love to hear about co-here bandwidth. Um, I know that there is a long story of couldn't before, you could make it happen kind of thing. So how long did it take from conception to members rehearsing to set up this, this project? Um, my brain tells me it was almost three years. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it was about three years because the catalyst event of some bands being robbed from their crappy rehearsal space was in Christmas of 2012. And then we opened bandwidth uh, June of 2015. So maybe it was two and a half years-ish, or uh -huh. maybe not. I don't know. It just took forever, forever and ever. I mean, when I compared it against the five weeks it took to start Cohere, when we got past that five-week point, I was just like, why doesn't this thing work? Like... <laughs> Why does it work yet? And then, you know, I was like, oh, it, most people don't start their businesses in five weeks. I see now how this works. Um, but I do want to touch on, so bandwidth took forever because you need um, a more soundproof room, and that's super expensive. 
and we didn't want to be in the cheap industrial area of our town because we felt that wasn't safe, which was the main point of the whole business was to have safe, secure rehearsal space for musicians since our friends had been robbed. Um, so we waited until we could be inside the ecosystem of the downtown artery, which is a shared artist uh, studio and gallery and cafe and venue space. And that's a portion of why it took so long is because we were waiting for that space to come available. And it was a great decision. Um, and then just quickly, what's super different about bandwidth versus cohere is that um, bandwidth is 95% unstaffed. So after we meet the bands one time, we let them access the space on their own and we're not there for them. And we had to do that to save money because when you're serving musicians, the margins are even lower. They're so low, it's, it's mm -hmm. almost unsustainable. Um, and so we use events um, to, to connect the community and foster the community. We don't actually do much of that during rehearsal because they're on task. Mm -hmm. um, so we do it outside of rehearsal. Awesome. And uh, when you uh, understood the needs for soundproofing and you know, the, the cost implicated in that, um, how did you go about raising that money? We did um, a local version of a Kickstarter on community funded and we raised, um, I don't even know how much we raised, 6000 maybe? Mm -hmm. $6,000 because our goal was to do a temporary lease in a temporary space and that ended up not working because of the soundproofing issues. Um, and then I used the money I had slowly accumulated from Cohere to pay for uh, the startup costs of bandwidth. And still Cohere is kind of uh, sugar momming <laughs> bandwidth. So, all the profit from Cohere goes into bandwidth right now. And so the goal for 2017 is to get both businesses um, making a little revenue so they're both standing on their own two feet instead of Cohere paying for everything. And so do you have memberships? Are you selling memberships or are you selling rehearsal hours? How have you set that up? Both. So you can rehearse by the hour. Um, just mm -hmm. I want to rehearse for two hours. And then we also have a membership choice, which is bands who want to practice for eight hours or more each month. And then they get a whole list of discounts that we've set up for them with local businesses like discounts on screen printing T-shirts and getting stickers made and recording services and um, just everything you can think of. And then we, after they're a member for six months, we connect them with a brewery. They brew a custom beer with that brewery. And then we release all of those beers and have a concert with those bands every six months. So we have that coming up next week on the 27th. Wow. How, so how much... How often have you done that? Is that two of those cycles so far? Yeah, we've had two of them. So we do them in October and March every year. So we've just um, reached out to the next set of bands that will be in the March concert. Um, but yeah, that takes up a lot of our time and effort. And that's kind of part of what we do is we build bridges between bands and other businesses. That's very B. <laughs> yes, it is very B. Um, lastly, what's worked so far and what hasn't at Cohere Bandwidth in terms of like applying co-working principles to this different model? Yeah. So what worked really well was having me as the community manager um, in the beginning stages before we had a space. So it was all getting people excited and reaching out to people and finding out who was in our network of musicians and doing focus groups and surveys and, and all those things that I'm good at. And then after we opened, it pretty 
really became apparent that I was not the right person to take Cohere Bandwidth to the next level because I'm not a musician and I'm not in a band. Mm -hmm. So I just recently hired a musician to be, to kind of take over for me in a community cultivator capacity. And mm -hmm. that has been amazing and exactly what we needed. And so um, taking myself out of the equation was the hardest, best thing I've ever done for <laughs> bandwidth. Awesome. Awesome. And I think, I think co-working people can relate to that one as well. Yeah. Well, Angel, we'll have to um, have you back to talk about Cohere Bandwidth some more because I feel like it's a whole show in and of itself. Yeah. But I just wanted to talk to you about everything today. So <laughs> <laughs> how can people get a hold of you if they want to? Um, so if you Google my name, which I think is on the bottom of the screen right now, that'll just be me, except for that one weird lady who did a centerfold like in Iowa. <laughs> Click on that. Um, I'm on Twitter as Cohere LLC. We're on Instagram as Cohere Bandwidth. Um, you can email me at angel at coherecommunity.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Yeah. It was Thanks for having me. As always. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. And for other episodes, you can go to coworkingwithiris.co where you can subscribe to the podcast as well. Next week, I'll be talking with Laura Shook, who did write the list of all of the women-owned co-working spaces out there. And uh, I look forward to talking with her about her own women-owned co-working space. Thank you so much. Keep doing the great work you're doing every day.